galactic civil war spreads across the sun. From the height of Coruscant to fiery Mustafa. To fight the evil empire before people join the fray. These are the heroes of the Hydean Way. Welcome to Heroes of the Hydean Way. This is a live play podcast that normally explores published adventures in the Fantasy Flight game Star Wars RPG line. We are currently having our session zero about the Force for Chronicles of the Gatekeeper. And I'm Ben, the GM for this adventure. And surprise, surprise, I've returned. I'm Ren, formerly known as Pastrano. Who else has returned? Uh, hi, everybody. I'm Christine, returning for my third season Ready to play some uh, Force and Destiny. Well, I guess this is my third season, too, and I guess I'm returning, and I might have lied on the Discord because I'm not an entirely different person. But I'm still Leslie. That counts for anything. Definitely. Bam. And it's me, Brandon, with my status quo reset to where it was at the end of last season. <laughs> Everyone's back. Well, it, surprise. Yeah. It's so weird being in a different order. <laughs> yeah, I recorded in ages, very, but it's so weird. Very about that order. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> did you just roll a die and figure out where everyone went? No, you volunteered for first and then... Oh, I know. It just switched up the <clears throat> arrangement. I was, you know. Yeah, yeah this is a, a partially from you volunteering, partially Ben's doing, partially me, because I decided not to let Leslie have her final, uh, her, her spot at the end again. Since she's done that before. You're I'm a monster. I really am. At least, at least I'm still orange. That's all that's all that matters. That'll work just as well. There's a Well, they're good about giving us our colors, so there's a decent <laughs> chance that I'm going to enter a lot of episodes with a no R style narration when it comes to my turn. <laughs> good that's... to know. That'll that'll be wonderful. So yeah, Ben, you, you can delete those. But I might do them anyway. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll see how everything goes. I might just like it, and we'll see how long you do them, too. Oh, I'll do them. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm sure Leslie won't mind if you decide to do a few of the recaps for her. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Oh. Noir-style recaps. Leslie will mind just because it won't be consistent. Yeah. Uh. Which means I'm totally cool with that being a thing, but I ain't doing <laughs> it. Ah. I mean, the only reason I'm not like, this is going to be a noir campaign. I just am definitely doing like the PI character premise. So that's sad saxophone in the background. That's uh, my character stick already. Well, yeah, Ben can take this part out too. <laughs> Future Ben. Future Ben's a lot look more yeah. relaxed. I, I don't know what the... It has technically already been spoiled in Tales though. Slightly. Kind of. As I devolve into Tales on account of... That's what I know. So we're doing a session zeros. This one is about getting the five of us onto the same, at least into the same ballpark as each other for the force. What does it mean for us? Some of the other aspects to it, because Chronicles of the Gatekeeper has several aspects to it that are very force 
related and very much in the way someone can use the force and still fail themselves. With that, the five of us need to be on the same level as each other. I guess my first question, and this is sort of the thing to start off with, is somewhat briefly, what does the force mean to each of you? Like, how would you want it to impact your character throughout this grand campaign? Well, I, for one, hope that it surrounds us, penetrates us, and binds the galaxy together. I will be taking no more questions at this time. Thank you. You you have spoken? <laughs> yes, I have spoken. This is the way. Uh, <laughs> uh, Welcome to 2020. <laughs> All Star Wars content is now Mandalorians. Hey, I'd like to point out that we went through several Star Wars iterations with that conversation. Hmm. So we started off with a pretty deep question. If we need to, we can come back to it. Well, since nobody is jumping in there, I will say that essentially what I have concluded as far as my character's mindset is, you know, some of that original trilogy style mindset of the force being this thing that is at most a fairy tale <laughs> to him largely, at least at the beginning. Um, or at least prior to, since I'm not entirely positive if I'll have ranks and a force power at start yet, obviously if I put any XP in force power, I'll probably assume that he's experimented a little bit prior to the adventure beginning, but I'm certainly leaning kind of, it's a hokey religion, but it definitely does something, even if it can't do all the things that everybody says it could do in the hands of a Jedi Knight. So are we answering we're answering this in character then or from a character's perspective, not our own? Well I thought that was character perspective. Is it not? To me it's while your character is going to color this, it's also for you as a player, because if it's not meaningful for you as a player or if it's not how you as a player are going to deal with it, then it's good to know, but it's also it won't be as effective. Yeah, uh, me as a player, the force is magic. That's what it is. It works how it needs to work at the time, um, at the speed of plot. There is no way to quantify it in, in any way meaningfully. It just does. It's like quantum physics. <laughs> no, it's no, there. quantum physics is science. See, I was going to make a joke about midi-chlorians. Yep, no, that's also dumb, but... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you think my, my statement was dumb. I'll go sit in the corner. That's not what I meant. <laughs> what I was going to say is that it's quantum science and that it's a thing that you understand exists, but you don't actually understand how it exists. Sure. So it's, it's, it's like gravity. Like, okay, I drop an apple, it falls, but that... So you know gravity works. It doesn't yeah. mean you understand how it works, only it it's less gravity and more completely ridiculous. In that regard, yes, although I am one of those people who falls very firmly on the side of um, Star Wars is fantasy, <laughs> not sci-fi, so... Well, yeah. I, I, I generally don't think of the Force as a thing that could hypothetically be understood in, a, in the way that we would understand scientific concepts by anyone, not just me as a person who doesn't know that kind of stuff, but just in general, it's kind of unknowable to a point. Hmm. 
the thing about the force for me is it's the closest that Star Wars gets to the Dungeons and Dragons alignment. <laughs> it really feels that way for me. It's like, yeah, it, the power is magic, psionics, take your pick. But the force does also have this alignment to it, or at least how it reacts. Yeah, I agree with that. I think. Well, some of it's a reflection of how the person is, but also there's a, I won't say objective because there's absolutely the, there's precisely the wrong word for it, but there's a external view to it as well. The, vor the force has a morality of its own. Yeah. I'm curious because, you know, D&D &D alignment has lawful good, but also, you know, chaos. So, like, is there room for the chaotic aspect of that alignment chart, chart in this? Or is this purely just, like, lawful good binary that you mean? <laughs> I personally I... would say that... that sorry. Go ahead, Ben. You're, you're the GM. You should probably be leading this conversation. To me, it's more... Because you also have lawful evil. Because it goes lawful, neutral, chaotic, and good, neutral, evil. Mm -hmm. If we're to use that arrangement, to me, it's a lot closer to the good, neutral, evil axis than the lawful, neutral, chaotic. Where people are in it are what are they sort of holding on to? Are they lawful to the point and they let everything else slip, like, say, the Jedi versus... Or you've got someone that would be almost a perfect lawful evil, which is Palp, our wonderful <laughs> friend Sheev. Yeah, I um, overall agree with that. I think the Force cares about good and evil, and I think a lot of Force traditions care about lawful and chaotic. Yeah. But I don't think the Force does, because I think we see, obviously the Jedi are theoretically lawful good, but... I think that the lawful part is entirely because that's how the Jedi operate. That's a power structure that has served them for various reasons that are not because the Force likes it. It's because it's how it works for them. But we see characters who are good guys who are definitely much more chaotic, like Qui-Gon or Obi-Wan a lot of the time, or you know various characters who are light side Force users but aren't part of the Jedi Order at any point, but they still do good things and the Force cares that they do good things and doesn't really care that they're unlawful about it, sometimes. I mean, I, I asked because one thing that I pretty much never ever play in D&D &D is paladins. Yeah. I, just don't, I just don't like them. I don't want to play that archetype. And so then I was like, oh, I don't want to play a paladin, though. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you. Depending on how a paladin is, I can find a way of making them interesting as characters but it's a very ursula wren style you've said this now i'm going to question everything it is about you kind of thing yeah <laughs> sort of the story of job in some ways yeah you've got to show them like how much easier things could be if they just kind of lightened up a little bit <laughs> like the the core of star wars generally if we set aside the prequel trilogy for the moment is heroes fighting against a massive evil empire like they're being unlawful in a very literal way mm. and I think relatively few people in the rebel alliance would be lawful good even though some of them do try to 
establish a structure to the alliance and care a lot about restoring the republic as a political structure as a society but i think a lot of our heroes are are not lawful yeah and and a lot of them are still light side force users and to ben's point of course we do also see sith that are the sith are very lawful in a certain way with the rule of two and everything um we do also see dark side force users who are just like chaotic evil and we'll just do whatever whatever they please and so that's certainly Mean surviving falls and whatnot yeah. what exactly is the rule of two the rule of two <laughs> is this thing that was set up by darth bane a long time prior to any of the movies basically because i don't know what the explanation is anymore but i, I think originally it was the notion that there should only ever be two lords of the sith a master and an apprentice because otherwise the organization devolves into backstabbing forever from all sides. And if you keep two, then it's just kind of this ongoing cycle of you choose an apprentice, they serve you for a little while, they eventually kill you and take your place and choose their own apprentice and so on forever. Instead of becoming this like fractured thing with all of these different little pockets of Sith who all want to have power. So it's kind of a self-preservation scheme. Uh, somewhat, yeah. yeah. Kind of. Sure, we'll go with that. I, I think I think it was derived in a general sense from from the fact that just like the Jedi Order doesn't fracture like that, and oftentimes the biggest advantage the Jedi had against the Sith back in the days when like they were both significant forces that would fight in wars was that the Sith would like betray each other. And also it was a thing Yoda said in The Phantom Menace. Yeah. Yeah, Yoda talks about the rule of two, like the, the specific thing the rule of two is, not so much why, but... So I don't want to backpedal us too much, but I, no. I, sat, I sat here waffling. I just smiled and nodded when you made some reference a few minutes ago, because it had my name in it and I was confused, and then I just sat here. Uh, so maybe other people also don't know uh, what you meant. I don't know. Ursula Wren, I think is what you said. I would guess an author. Yeah. Um, Wizard of Earthsea. That's Ursula oh, Le Guin. That's, Le Guin. K- that's Ursula K. Le Guin. Oh, yeah. is that Wren? Okay, that's Wren here. Okay, never mind. So I wasn't the only one, thank goodness. <laughs> Probably actually got the wrong name. I, I was already lost, but my brain was elsewhere. Good catch, Ren. I just shrugged and assumed this was somebody from Kylo's backstory <laughs> that I just don't care about because I don't care about Kylo Ren. Mm, I was no. like, sure, there's probably an Ursula Wren in the Star Wars universe. I googled it and I can't find there's like Technically it would be more you'd find the stories under T. Kingfisher and I got the name wrong. So thank you for making sure that I got it right. It's Ursula Vernon the Hugo Award winning author and also does kids books. I think it actually shows up in the Kingfisher she has a very particular style of writing both horror and just being a paladin of the gifts have been given to the paladin by their knowing God. And it's, well, now the paladin has to actually embody that. And they're still people. They're not these automatons. So... How does one do that? Like, it's 
like the last couple seasons of Deep Space Nine, how do you stay the Federation and go to war? So yeah, the author that I was meeting was Ursula Vernon of Red Wombat Studios. So you can probably figure out how I found her originally. I have a guess. She also won a Kyogo for writing the Digger webcomic. One of the sort of basic things that I just sort of want to get as a, it's a baseline kind of thing. For the four of you, in this adventure, and just for the four of you, it doesn't have to be overarching or anything like that. I'm just wanting to get an idea of how powerful do you think that the force is going to be in the start and the middle of the adventure? Not Force Unleashed level for sure. Very much more... Like, in, in my head, I guess, more, like, uh, sort of the things we would see in A New Hope or even Empire. You know, some things can get thrown telekinetically. Some mind tricks can happen. It's a tool, but it's not the, like, it's not the answer to every single problem the way it might be in, say, like, the prequels. Yeah, I tend to assume a progression of, like, original trilogy to prequel trilogy in terms of force power over the course of a campaign and then there's a and then there's a wall beyond which we do not go and that's rise of skywalker in my opinion uh you're not alone there. i mean if you get the force dice i mean (laughs) if somebody invests in taking the time to be able to do unleash with like five force dice or something more power to you literally i guess but (laughs) (laughs) but the amount of xp that would require yeah there is that. Ren, Leslie? I guess I don't particularly have very strong feelings on this issue, so I was just kind of letting it happen. <laughs> One of the other things that I'm sort of digging at is how powerful would the Force be outside of your characters? One of the things that is a very Force story thing is visions and impose prophecies like vision yeah i guess that's sort of the same thing your character is seeing other things that are going on some of it with talent some of it just outside i guess a good movie example of it would be the cave on dagobah so in terms of what kind of influence that the the environment of the forest essentially can have upon us yeah or if you're to encounter any force ghosts or gatekeepers on holocrons or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, those are holograms, though, even if they're very good holograms. I mean, I think the way that I have sometimes phrased it to players having session zeros for Force and Destiny stuff is, is sort of how, I made this allusion earlier, but how magical do you want the campaign to be? Because that's kind of what the Force adds to Star Wars terms of content is just like things that are magic such as ghosts such as visions such as places where because there's you know lingering force sensitivity weird stuff happens you know enemies that can make hallucinations or do mind control or throw lightning all these things that aren't super weird if you think about like a world a fantasy world with a magic system like D&D or something, but aren't something that you see in Edge of the Empire or something, usually. Even in Heroes, we have, while we have had Matu, we haven't had a 
massive amount of force use in with our players. Now the gloves are coming off. So I'm trying to figure out where to put the bar for say there is a special person or two that you run across. How should I be trying to portray them? Old hedge wizard, that sort of thing. I I think that's going to be ultimately up to you and what's going to best serve the, the story you know, whether that character you do want to present them more as that hedge wizard or if they are the, you know, self-appointed expert or the, you know, Herman in the woods or what what have you. Um, just because of the era we're in, I don't feel like we're going to be running into any, you know, bona fide Jedi. And I would kind of like to explore overall for this, the uh, approaching the force from different perspectives. And I think that fa- that factors in a lot with NPCs as well, in terms of how do they view it, what can they do with it, and it's all about what what do you need for the story. And how long until the Inquisitors show up and kill them? Yeah, now when you put an Inquisitor on the field, whole other story. <laughs> I, I guess mechanically wise, I am, and this is probably not a surprise to anyone, I... I I have no intention of like super optimizing and like <laughs> becoming the best space wizard I can possibly wizard. So, yeah, I mean, not like super, super high powered on my end, at the very least. I also don't anticipate my character being super like starry eyed. Oh, wow, this magic is so interesting. Just because my character is a bit of a, I don't know, weirdo. And I think that seeing some of this stuff will kind of slide off their back a little bit. Mm-hmm. But like, oh yeah, that that makes sense. Sure. That feels right. I don't know. That's, I guess, my, my whole thing. That totally makes sense to me. Leslie, any thoughts? I got nothing. <laughs> no experience. No basis. No plans. <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Yeah, like I have no frame of reference, having never ingested any any actual plays or anything using this system. So I'm coming in fresh again. I feel like it's <laughs> the end of 2018 all over again. Well, I mean, you've listened to Force Majeure. Oh my gosh, you're right. I listened to. The- yes, you're right. I accidentally just lied. <sighs> Somewhere, Barrowin's upset. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, we've all listened to. Okay, I won't say all, but most of us have listened to Force Majeure, but that doesn't really apply itself directly to us unless we make that conscious decision. I mean, from a nuts and bolts standpoint, I've been somewhat modeling my ideas, at least around what's going to happen in the next episode, around what. Uh, Dice for Brains did and what Adam has done in Force Majeure. Those are sort of my reference points for doing some of the Forcey type stuff. And yeah, a lot of it is, okay, well, the narrative says now we do something weird and you're having a vision of a ancient spire or something like that, or you're having visions of what happened during the end of the Clone Wars. Because that energy is still there. Some of it's entirely just how I'm 
running through in my head of how to do Chronicles of the Gatekeeper, but also some of it's, it sounds like y'all would be okay if you were to walk across a particular area and then see sort of ghost images of the, like, force ghosts almost recreating a scene. I mean, Leslie, as a player, is prepared for that to happen. I make no promises, if that does happen in story, what my character will do, because that's a little weird. That's the reason why I'm more focusing on players, at least for these session zeros, because your characters are going to react however you think your characters are going to react, and until they actually experience it, it's really hard to say, yeah, this is what's going to happen, like, at least in the sort of theory of it. I'm game for all out, like, high magic kind of stuff. Yeah, you, you saying force majeure kind of, like, snapped me back into reality a little bit. I it, I definitely listened to that episode even, and I just didn't <laughs> internalize. I don't know, because it doesn't seem super, you know, woo, 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 magic everywhere. The instance of force majeure that I'm really thinking of is the one where I'm pretty sure that they were expecting, like Adam was probably expecting this to take a single recording session with the revenant on the ship the kasha the barn yes to me that totally could work and in some ways actually does fit the theme of the chronicles of the gatekeeper it may not show up exactly that way but sometimes things happen on ships and your blue character gets an arm missing and it just takes an extra session to deal with I like how you say an arm missing. I, like, I, I, I turned I was, around. It was right here. <laughs> I, I almost said. <laughs> I mean, they just left it lying there. Have you seen this arm? <laughs> Vistrana was rather disarming. So. I almost said dismembered, but I thought that that was too too graphic for the podcast. I wasn't sure. So I stopped myself. And that's why the sentence This is This is coming from weird. the player who was, you know, kneecapping people with scalpels. You know, it's been a couple months. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> calibrated. <laughs> We're all out of whack. So I guess that brings me to the one final aspect of the Force that really does come up and is very prevalent, is what is the dark side to the four of you? This does lead into the next uh, session zero, but also just in general, but also what is it actually like? in core actually mean to you casual or intentional disregard for life that's a good uh good definition i would add to that uh selfishness feel like even if you're not you know hurting somebody physically if you steal from somebody you lie to them you you're doing something solely for your own benefit i feel like that is also a corrupting influence as granny weatherwax says treating people as things yeah. Oh. I'd also say, at least in certain contexts, indulgence. Yeah. Mm. Now, in terms of how the force or how the dark side affects people, I, I guess it's only ultimately doesn't matter. But I, I, my brain has started going: Is it like, is it your choices that are corrupting yourself, or is the force like, is it that intelligent entity? I don't think the force is intelligent, personally. So I tend to fall on the side of. It's your decisions. So you think the force is just that? It is a force? It is is a tool or 
energy source. It is not one way or the other inclined. It's like I said earlier, I the, the force does have a morality, but I don't think it's got a morality because it has a consciousness. I was thinking about it earlier today. And the best way I could explain it is it's like a molten liquid or or I don't want to say it's like water cuz that moves almost too much, but it it has a state of rest it prefers. And so it, it balances itself out by, like, achieving equilibrium, which is non-sustainable because everything's always moving. So the force is always moving. It's like a waterbed. You, you have a pressure applied on one side, the other side will rise, but the bed itself does not want to rise. It wants to be level. So I think of it kind of as a background pressure or force, sorry, kind of being interacted with in the fabric of the universe. Yeah, it's sort of a natural uh, property of everything. Yes, natural property is probably the way to put it. And that's what I got. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I I personally, like I know um, Canon is is soft on this, and and that's certainly also where we can get different different force traditions and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like like I I think there's absolutely plenty of room for a force tradition that ascribes intention to the force or or thinks of the force as the will of like a, a a deity or something in a more concrete way than like the jedi do because there's no real way to like verify that part in universe or or as people consuming media about the universe out of universe because they just never have really yeah definitively said yeah. here's what the force is objectively like this is what this is how it works. This is what it can and can't do, and why. Mm-hmm. So, how do the Death Mirror people view the Force? Because I know how the Jedi, quote unquote, and the Sith, quote unquote, view the Force. But like the Death Mirror, is it, is it the Night Sisters? Night Sisters, yeah, yeah. They're the only other like major. I hate to say religion belief system that I've routinely heard of regarding the Force. So, what do they think the Force is? I don't know what it is anymore. They do treat it more like magic. Yeah, it's very much more magic and alchemy. Yeah. They started as the witches of Dathomir, and Night Sister has kind of become the more common word, I think, to avoid having the word witch. But like their their general approach to things has always been a little more occult, sort of. Okay. I feel like the Night Sisters often treat the things they do with the force as particular sort of formulae for producing a change to the world in a way that's different than the Jedi do. Like the Jedi do talk about force powers as like separate things in in a, in a vague sense, like move is one of them and enhance is one of them. But like the Jedi normally just kind of have this more general sense of like you sort of connect with it and then you can just do stuff <laughs> and practicing the things you do makes you better at them. But it's not like it's not learning a spell, you know, you're not learning the spell to jump high. You're training your ability to tap into the forest to help you jump high in the same way that you would train your physical ability to jump high just from a like athletic standpoint. I think the other thing about the Night Sisters is that they 
I don't feel like they put nearly as much emphasis on the notion that the force moral component matters. That would be closer to what I would be thinking with them, or at least the other aspect to it is we've only seen the disciples of Talzin, really. Yeah. And Mother Talzin is a very particular sort who has... She has her own agenda. Yeah, she has her own agenda and is very, very much where if you're to be going towards things, Mother Talzin definitely seems to be a different dark side user than either Dooku or Palpatine. There's sort of this notion of the Force as a tool for them in a way that's not quite as true for the Jedi or the Sith. It's just that the ones that we've seen so far have not... Yeah. I can definitely see where there are places where it would be, like just use the Force as a tool and it would work out to be something more in line with like Ahsoka's teachings or yeah. as opposed to how Mother Talzin was. And we see various other, like the Guardians of the Wills are another Force tradition that are not Jedi that we see. We mm-hmm. don't see a lot of them. I guess there's at least a book or two that digs more into them, but... I know there's a kid's book. Yeah. That's but, about all I know. But they definitely take a kind of meditative, almost sort of monastic approach that the Jedi don't. Yeah. At least the Jedi in the eras, we mostly see Jedi. They're much more monistic, more I'd go with cleric-like. As far as I can tell. Well, A, a lot of them are not Force-sensitive, as far as we can tell. But they don't seem to learn to use the Force so much as they just kind of like learn to open themselves to its guidance. Which you could argue is is using it just semantically different, but... Well, it's kind of like a difference between a passive and active ability. Yeah. Like a, a boost versus a, like an, a spell that attacks or something. Yeah. Yeah. If, if the Force is a river, the Jedi learn how to alter the course of the river when they need to, but the Guardians of the Wills learn to just go with the flow and let it take them where they belong. They're like, chill, bro. They are a leaf on the river. Yep. So with all that being said, especially with what we had talked of with accessing the dark side is to several of you, I know you've kind of answered this, but I was just wanting to actually ask instead of it being hinted at. Are any of you looking to do a dark side, like intending to do a, a dark side character or a pure light side character. I'm not going to go out of my way to do a dark side character, but I do plan theoretically for my character to be pragmatic enough that he'll probably gain some conflict from time to time, by which I mean with some frequency. I don't think (laughs) I have any intention. I know that playing a video game, Leslie errs on the side of shining night of goodness but we'll see what situations we're in so in addition to my cheat sheet of all of the star wars ffg symbols that's taped to the front of my monitor i also have the paragon renegade symbols from mass effect (laughs) stickers (laughs) and i will say that the way that i play video games is generally you know 
doing the blue stuff for the most part, but every now and then there's sometimes that red option that's just really way more appealing. I'm guessing blue is good and red is renegade. So sometimes you punch someone. Oh, yeah. So you, you know, go through and all three times like you can punch a reporter, you do. I'm legit <laughs> the only person who's never played Mass Effect at this table. I'm sorry. Yeah, I have seen a total of three minutes of it, and most of it is that one scientist singing Modern Major General. <laughs> that's <laughs> yes. that's uh, yeah. I mean, have you seen like Babylon the best Five? Part of it. Nope. Oh, okay. I've not seen any of Babylon Five. I've seen more Farscape and Enterprise than Babylon mm. Five. It doesn't, it doesn't. I've help. also not ever seen any Babylon Five. I know there's in Mass Effect. There's a cool, grumpy, gravelly alien that I like, but that's literally as far as and the lead's called Shepard. There yep. we go. So to round this question out, I don't see a world where my character hits light side paragon it is a deep possibility that she will hit dark side use but it's not something i'm aiming for like the others it's more i'm going to play the character and see where i wind up with that i'm not sure if i appreciate the characterization of aiming for and I'm not saying you're aiming for either. I feel like all four of us kind of answered with the. I mean, we're going to see it's where not it goes. A called shot, Brandon, oh, but I think, that is a general direction you brought up. I think I maybe misplaced a comma in what I heard you say. <laughs> uh huh. No, no, don't worry, Brandon. So you and I are just. I'm not, I'm not I'm aiming this... for it like the others, as in like the others are aiming for it. Not. Oh, I'm not aiming for it, yeah. comma like the others. Are also no, not no, no, it. no. I, I, I'm not implying that at all. I feel like all four of us are in a very similar position right now of seeing where things go. But based on the characters' personalities, I would say it sounds like you and I might veer more dark, and Ren and Leslie might veer more light. Hmm. Yeah, we'll, I will probably there is balance. <laughs> if, if I start moving up in morality, I admit I will probably start acting a little more dark because I just. <laughs> I imagine my character will ride the line in the middle. I, you and I just seem to encourage each other to do terrible things in character, and together we'll just uh, plummet. So, Leslie, we're going to be friends. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see how this goes. I might have to play yeah. shoulder angel to someone. Uh, literally, because you might be on my shoulder. <laughs> you can't play shoulder angel to me. I am too small. Well, if I'm yeah. on her shoulder and you're too small, that means that I could probably still yell at yell down at you from hi on high. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not my shoulder, so uh, your words have no Th have no power it. over me. Everybody ride the. But I'll have the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Christine, hold still. I'm, I'm not small, so I, I can't I can't do this. Oh, that was. You're good. you're all right though. You apparently don't need the the guiding light that will apparently <laughs> be fair. my character. That's fair. Mechanically, there's also the whole aspect of Nones taking the insta-dark side, insta-light side paragon parts. Everyone's just taking the plus 10 experience or money. Yes. Right. Yes. Wait, what What do you mean insta-light and dark? For character creation, you start off with a, on the 0 to 100 morality point system, you start off at 50. When... You start, you've got the option of doing the money thing, the split money experiencing, the full experience, or 
there's the ability to drop 21 points and instantly become a dark side user or gain 21 points and instantly become a paragon of light. You know how in um, Edge of the Empire you could take extra obligation to get extra experience? No, I, I got it. I'm just yeah. I'm just thinking about that as a mechanic. Sorry. Yeah. Essentially, it's there if you want it. You don't have to take it, and you are turning down experience to take it, but for some people, their characters really should start there, so the option is. There are mechanical effects to being yeah, either really? light, paragon, or dark. Yeah. Dark immediately flips a light side point in the destiny pool to a dark side. At the start of each session, yep. Yeah, at the oh. start of each session. And Paragon gains an extra light side point. Yep, at the start of each session. Which is why Force and Destiny Destiny pools can get... Silly? Kind of gross if you've got like a really light team. Um, because they're still rolling the Force die like everybody does in all the systems. And then sometimes you're just like, and now we have to add five because we've got all these five freaking paragons. paragons. Okay. Which we'll more deal with that in the next... Session zero. Being dark also does make your force powers a little easier to make go off for mechanical reasons, but only marginally. Well, okay. There is one question that it kind of works in towards foresight, which is the prophecy power that I'm generally directing everyone to go for instead of using just foresee. But one of the things that, at least with like Ward's Foresight, is what you use to power it affects what you see. Like, if you're using dark side points to do it, then you see more emotions or more dark side ish things. Whereas if you're using light side of the force, it's more, I don't really, want, I guess, kind of objective or more dispassionate, I guess is a better way of putting it. Yeah, I guess that then leads me to the question I have. Like, that was more providing context for this question, which is going to be our final question of this. And this is much more of a mechanical end of everything. Because you can use light side or dark side pips to power force powers, how do you see, or do you see at the moment, any way of hooking your placed all your descriptions into uh, your fueling the powers. Yes. 100% yes. Sure. Um, makes makes sense to me. Alright. Yeah, that seems like part of the fun of it is if you're spending dark side or light side pips you know, to fuel a power is being able to describe it in terms of what is fueling it? What are you feeling? What's going through your character's head at that moment? What does this even look like? I feel like could change as a result of that. I think it kind of has to, otherwise, it's the point. Well, there's mechanical differences, but yeah, but no, well, that, that's was like if there's if you're not going to use it, just go play magic. You know, I mean, totally fair. So, anyone else have questions? Nope. Any questions for me on that? I'm sure there will be many when we start playing. At this moment, meh, not so much. Da-da. Da-da.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Heroes of the Hydean Way. You can find show updates on Twitter at The Hydean Way, and you can find me, Ben, on Twitter at Deuterium Ice. <laughs> oh, oh, New order, oh, Red. Oh, 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 no. <laughs> hmm. Not it. Uh, yes, indeed. And uh, I'm Ren, and you can find me at Atomic Firebird. And I'm Christine, and you can find me on Twitter at Twelfth Night. That's one, two, T-H, night with a K. In addition, I have two other actual play podcasts. They're both D&D 5e podcasts. Uh, the Glass Dagger can be found at completenight.com, also night with a K. And Omen's Call can be found at omenscall.com. And I'm Leslie at leslitgs. If you're traveling in time, you might still find me on Flight Risk and Sill Zero. If you're not, you'll find me here. Do those episodes with you in them of those things self-destruct? Usually in five seconds. Is that, well, is that where you have to travel back in time to, yeah, to hear you them? you have to travel in time by scrolling back in your podcast machine. Are they, are they aware <laughs> that you don't have to self-destruct a podcast episode? No, the beautiful thing about working with me is I make you forget all of that stuff. Oh, okay, interesting. Who are we talking about? I don't remember how we got here. Uh, and I'm Brandon on Twitter at Blue of the Ken. And we are all at thehydeanway.com, where you can find previous episodes and our sister podcast, Tales from the Hydean Way. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Plus, you can help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. We're also on Facebook as Heroes of the Hydean Way. You can holocom us at heroes at thehydeanway.com. If you like what we do and want to support the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash thehydeanway. Or you can donate a calf to us at ko-fi.com slash thehydeanway.